Influential podcast dedicated to the profession of pharmacy with over 80,000 listeners worldwide. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to Let's Pharmanize, a proud member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm Shane Garrison. I'm Mickey Ferguson. I'm Cal Vandegrift. And I'm Justin Frederick. And on this episode, we're jumping into the world of Marvel to discuss the super soldier serum from Captain America. All this and more on Let's Pharmanize. All right. Oh, yeah. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The views and opinions expressed within are those of the authors and speakers themselves and do not necessarily represent any affiliated institution or third party. All right, take it away, Justin. Yeah, man. Awesome. So how familiar are you guys with Captain America? He's pretty cool. Less so than other superheroes. Really less? I'd say I'm more familiar with, with Captain America. You gotta stop asking me this question. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of figured, Cal, you wouldn't be too familiar with them. So it was mainly a question for Shane and Mickey, but I didn't want to call you out like that. (laughs) But honestly, me being a big Marvel geek, I actually have to admit in full transparency that Captain America wasn't one of the comics that I read. He was just one of those characters that didn't really pique my interest too much. I mean, Super Soldiers is like, it's all well and good, but the whole red, white, and blue and freedom and stuff, I'm like, this sounds kind of boring to me. (laughs) I can see that. It kind of feels personal. But after working on this segment and actually doing a little digging into Captain America, I realized, wow, there's actually more to this man than just the shield. So kind of give us a little intro into who Captain America is. He was created in March 1941 by Jack Kirby and Joe Simon. Captain America is the sentinel of liberty, shielding the oppressed and fighting for justice everywhere. Born July 18, 1941, Steve Rogers grew up in Hell's Kitchen on the west side of Midtown Manhattan, New York City, New York, with his widowed mother, Sarah Rogers, a nurse. His father, Joseph Rogers, served in the 107th Infantry Regiment in World War I, but was unfortunately killed by mustard gas. When Steve was 18 years old, Sarah died from severe tuberculosis contracted from the hospital where she worked, but not before making Steve promise that whatever his dream, he would use his head to stay out of trouble. A poor and good-hearted man leading up to World War II, Steve attempted to enlist in the army to fight the Axis powers. Unfortunately for him, he was rejected multiple times because of his small size, underdeveloped physique, and poor health. And to really put that into a literal sense, Steve Rogers was five feet and four inches tall. So based on that height, based on that height, his ideal body weight should be around 130 pounds. Are we going back to IBW? Using that IBW equation. But can you guys guess how his weight actually was? Was he the same height? He was still five foot four, but what was his actual body weight? Are you going to make us calculate his creatinine clearance? <laughs> I'm not going to actually make you ca- I would go s- through the creatinine clearance. I would say for an exceptionally uh, well-physiqued man of five foot four. Keep in mind, this is before the serum. He was scrawny. 
I'm going to say 118 oh, before pounds. the serum? It is before the serum. I would say around 120. 120. I think he would be healthy at 110. Anything less than that, he's like dangerously malnourished. I don't think you guys were paying attention. I said he had an underdeveloped physique, small size, and poor health. Try again. Wait, smaller than 120 or 118? Yep, try again. 99. Right, 95 pounds. 90. We got 99, 95. I'm going to say 100. 100. Mickey wins because in actuality, Steve Rogers' actual body weight was 98 pounds. Whoa. All right. And to really get deep into how his poor health really was, Steve also suffered from asthma, uh, hypertension, heart trouble, rheumatic fever, and inflammation of the heart, blood vessels, and joints, as well as scarlet fever, a bacterial infection caused by streptomyces that causes a rash throughout the body. Oh, God. Bro, this dude's stats are in the toilet. Yep. so though I say he was a good-hearted man, I don't mean that literally. (laughs) (laughs) But as his mother told him in her final moments, his body may be fragile, but his heart is 10 times his size. And so Dr. Abraham Erskine, a pioneer in the development of a super soldier for the United States, encountered Steve and was impressed by not only his determination, but also his intelligence and sincere candor. Steve didn't want to just go overseas with his fellow man and kill Nazis. He would rather not kill anyone. He says, and I quote, I don't like bullies. I don't care where they're from. Dr. Erskine enlisted Steve in Project Rebirth, which would create the first super soldier for the United States. According to Erskine, quote, the serum amplifies everything that is inside. So good becomes great. Bad becomes worse. This is why you were chosen. Because a strong man who has known power all his life will lose respect for that power. But a weak man knows the value of strength and knows compassion. After injection of the serum and exposure to unique form of radiation, Steve Rogers successfully became the world's first super soldier and Captain America was born. Now standing at six feet, two inches tall, and weighing 240 pounds, Captain Rogers' body reached the uppermost limits of human perfection, possessing superhuman strength, agility, stamina, durability, and reflexes. Wielding his lightweight and nearly indestructible concave shield made from vibranium and steel alloy, Rogers is a force not to be reckoned with. His unique uniform is made from a tight woven chainmail that can deflect sharp objects and even smaller gauge projectiles. Captain Rogers is not just 240 pounds of muscle, no. His charisma and shrewd decision making are also recognized as being the top level of any human on Earth. By no small measure, Captain America is a true paragon. After this kind of introduction to Captain America, let's take a look at this procedure that caused him to become the super soldier that everyone regards and every guy in the gym tries to emulate. (laughs) Including myself, I will be honest. (laughs) Not all of us are trying to be beefcakes over here. (laughs) So when we look at the procedure itself, the super soldier serum involved intramuscular injection and also an oral component. I didn't even know this until I read the comics. But afterwards, 
Vita rays, spelled V-I-T-A, a special combination of radioactive wavelengths accelerated and stabilized the serum's effects within the body. Now leveled up, a super soldier could lift around 800 pounds over their heads, run approximately 30 miles per hour or more, and maintain strenuous physical activity for up to 12 hours before tiring. This is because of the serum's unique ability to counteract the lactic acid that causes fatigue in muscles. In addition to physicality, a super soldier has heightened metabolism that allows faster healing than normal. This means the serum granted immunity to any disease, illness, and poison known to man because of the body's ability to process it faster than the effects can cause harm to the body. I remember where he's like trying to get drunk. Exactly. Yeah. In the first film where he thought he lost Bucky after trying to capture scientist Zola, he tried to get drunk after thinking he lost his best friend. But as he tells Peggy, the serum enhanced his cells four times faster than the average human being. So he could never actually get drunk. Mm -hmm. Don't do anything stupid until I get back. How can I? Taking all the stupid with you. Which, to me, I think that's kind of cool. That's a quitter's attitude. <laughs> I mean, you lose your best friend. I mean, I think alcohol is just one of those things that helps you get that courage back. They call it liquid courage. <laughs> yeah, I have my own theory, but I'm I'm going to need to let Justin finish his, his speech before I give it. Because <laughs> I could just be completely wrong. <laughs> That well, just seems like like a like a really bad addition, or not bad, but unnecessary addition to this thing. Like that was not relevant to the super soldier thing. But he still he still can do the four times the alcohol thing. That doesn't that doesn't seem too <laughs> super necessary. But hey, I mean, when you think of a super soldier, like I said, we're talking about any disease, illness, and poison, and this includes drugs and alcohol. So just. It just seems like they just were trying to make a super badass. That's all I can say. <laughs> I mean, in a way, it kind of seems like that, but uh, that's why it's kind of up to everyone's subjective belief. But anyway, finally, and this to me was supremely intriguing. The, the serum can also affect the brain, allowing the recipient to retain and recall any information they take in, such as Captain Rogers' ability to recall any military tactic and use it in any situation. I didn't even know about this. I thought that was something that only Taskmaster could do. If people are familiar with Taskmaster, he was featured in the latest Black Widow movie and was able to literally memorize any move just by sight and able to copy it with perfect recall. But it was amazing to learn that Captain America also can do this on a similar, not as good as Taskmaster, but a similar manner. So there's a lot going on here physiologically. But the root of it all is heightened cellular activity coupled with some unique features of the serum. And I think the best way to grasp this is by comparing it to a real-world compound that acts most similarly to the super soldier serum. Any guesses? Crack cocaine. Crack cocaine from Mickey. Testosterone. Testosterone from Shane. Straight up anabolic steroids. Ooh, so, ooh, this is hard. Because technically Shane and Cal are both right, but I think I'm going to have to give the crown to Shane because he was just that more specific on what we're talking about. And I'll go into detail about that a little later. Well, Calvin covered the whole class with anabolic steroids. He did. That is true. But when we talk about uh, with a super soldier serum, um, 
anabolic steroids is kind of like the broader term. There's a lot of anabolic steroids mm -hmm. out there, and I'll go into detail about that oh, in a sweet. second. But really, the drug that's really keen and most common that you hear about, especially with athletes, is testosterone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And in some powerlifting sports, testosterone is banned, so they use like other similar ones just mm -hmm. to skirt that. Exactly. Right. We've talked about this before on the show. We have? Yeah, about uh, designer drugs. I think Ivan talked about it. I don't think one of those was testosterone. I think they were mostly illegal, like straight up, like unlawful. Because you can go and do testosterone all you want. It's not illegal. Yeah. It's just if you want to enter a clean competition, you're not going to be able to. Yeah. And that's very true. So, ster so you guys were correct with steroids, those lipid-like molecules in the body made of four organic rings in a specific configuration. There are two main types, the corticosteroids and the anabolic androgenic steroids. We call them anabolic steroids for short. Corticosteroids are synthesized within the human adrenal gland and are useful for immune function, stress response, and controlling inflammation. Synthetic versions that you will find in your local pharmacies include hydrocortisone for skin inflammation from things like poison ivy, methylprednisolone for muscle and joint pain from rheumatoid arthritis, and fluticasone for rhinitis and other nasal symptoms caused by allergies or hay fever. Anabolic steroids, on the other hand, are compounds also synthesized in the adrenal gland, but they're responsible for the stimulation of protein synthesis and eventually new muscle fibers. This is known as anabolism, hence the name anabolic steroids. Example of common anabolic androgenic steroids include oxymethylone, brand named Anadrol, testosterone sapionate, brand name is Depotestosterone, and nandrolone decanoate, brand name Decadurabilin. The androgenic portion of the name is in reference to androgen, the male sex hormone that serves as the precursor to the star of this discussion, testosterone. So when we think about anabolic steroids, we're really talking about synthetic testosterone. When consumed orally or administered via intramuscular injection, the drug travels to muscle tissues where it binds to the receptors of muscle cells known as myocytes and delivers the steroid hormone to the nucleus of the cells to stimulate anabolism. When we get into the complex nitty-gritty of things, I always like to use illustrations to make things easier. So let's grab our Avengers watches, hop into the quantum realm, and travel to September 15, 1952. Oh boy, okay. So fellows, we stand in a chocolate factory, and in front of us are two young ladies named Ethel and Lucy. Lucy and Ethel have to wrap chocolates coming down a conveyor belt before they reach the transportation trucks. If one piece of candy gets past you and into the packing room unwrapped, you're fired. Yes, ma'am. Let her roll! At first, the job seems easy, and the young ladies express smiles of confidence with small puffs in their shoulders, but then the supervisor orders for the conveyor belt to speed up, making the job nigh impossible as more and more chocolates zip past the two females struggling to keep up. In this chaotic debacle, the chocolates are the proteins, Lucy and Ethel are the muscle fibers actin and myosin, creators of complex protein actomyosin used in muscle contraction. And the supervisor is the nucleus, telling everyone to speed it up because the white-collared business executive, Testosterone, said so. Now we can go back to the present day. So one can imagine the problems destined to unfold with anabolic steroid misuse. Neurologically, 
anabolic steroids interact with GABA-A receptors to increase serotonin and dopamine levels, leading to symptoms of paranoid jealousy, extreme irritability and aggression, commonly known as roid rage, delusions, impaired judgment, and even mania. Long-term, severe adverse effects of steroid misuse include kidney failure, liver damage and tumors, increased risk of blood clots, hypertension, dyslipidemia, and an enlarged heart. All these are possible because anabolic steroids activate androgen receptors to rapidly increase calcium cells or calcium levels in skeletal muscle and the heart. Some adverse effects are gender and age-specific. For males, story misuse can lead to shrinking testicles, baldness, also known as alopecia, infertility, development of breasts, and increased risk for prostate cancer. For females, effects include male pattern alopecia, breast atrophy, growth of facial hair or excess body hair, irregular menstrual cycles or the termination altogether, clitoromegaly, and deepening of the voice. In teenagers, the misuse of steroids can lead to stunted growth due to the high levels of steroid hormones signaling to the body to stop bone growth too early, as well as stunned height if teens use steroids before their growth spur. Wow. So it's a whole concoction of bad stuff if you misuse it. And it makes sense because steroids act to synthesize as the man-made versions of the growth hormones that we all create in our body, which makes it very difficult to detect it when athletes misuse it when they're trying to compete in clean, as Mickey says it, clean powerlifting as well as other athletic competitions. I have a quick question. Yeah. In your reading, did you see that sudden cardiac death was a side effect or not? Because I've I've seen in a couple different pieces of media where someone shoots up with tests and they overdose on it and it stops their heart. Have you seen that as a side effect? That's a possible side effect that I didn't encounter in my reading, but it's kind of related to how, how as a side effect it could lead to problems with the heart. And I think the reasoning for what you were mentioning as far as overdosing when you shoot up testosterone is because how the athletic performer used the drug. Because there's three different ways that usually an athlete would misuse it. They would either use cycling, which involves tapering up on a testosterone or other anabolic steroid, during, usually during the off season, so that when it's time for competition, it wouldn't be able to be detected. And then when it's time for competition, they would cycle down and taper down really quickly. And so their body's just in a flux like, wait, you had it ramped up. Now you're suddenly abruptly stopping only to ramp up again the next summer or next off season. And so I think really, it really depends on how the performance enhancing drug is used. Okay. If that answers your question. Yeah. So how would injecting testosterone and other anabolic steroids compare to like our current treatment for growth hormone disorder by just injecting straight up human growth hormone into people? I know that's also a doping problem in some athletic communities. Oh, yeah, it's a good question. And really, there's not too much of a huge difference between the two. However, with anabolic steroids, it's not just testosterone. There's other similar compounds are involved to kind of make it kind of a human growth hormone-like cocktail. And so when we use human growth hormone to treat certain disorders, growth-related disorders, we're using it at a therapeutic level, whereas when athletes are using anabolic steroids, it's used towards not therapeutic levels, a lot of times super therapeutic. We're talking increasing the amount of hormones in your body by 10 to even 100 times greater than normal. I just want to mention real quick, too, that I find it interesting that both anabolic steroids 
cause hypogonadism, but like also uh, like people that have growth hormone deficiency also have hypogonadism. So it's weird that you could think of it like a, like a, off-label treatment, I guess, for, for GHD, but yet still, it could still cause, I don't know. It seems <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, it's one of those weird ones that honestly just confounds us. And it was interesting that you actually mentioned your question about human growth hormone, because before anabolic steroids, or well, athletes usually just shot up uh, um, human growth hormone as their way of performance enhancement. But then they realized that human growth hormone didn't really help with performance enhancement. Sure, it made your muscles look bigger and your height taller. But as far as performance enhancement, it was like a 4% difference according to studies, which hmm. I guess 4% could mean the difference between winning a bicycle race and being in last place. But when we think of anabolic steroids, we're seeing an increase of at least 30 percent so that's so it's interesting that you brought up human growth hormones and i'm glad you brought it up because that was originally how they originally did it before the anabolic steroids you're reminding me of that like spongebob episode where he has the muscle sleeves on and like <laughs> yeah. and flip everything I got anchor arms. I'm no I'm a that's exactly kind of that's a good way of looking at it. that's really what hcg did it's like it made you look bigger but in terms of performance it didn't do squat so strikingly enough, we can see some of the similarities between the super soldier serum and anabolic steroids. Both involve high metabolism and musculature, oral and intramuscular formulations, and neurological deficits when used improperly. So in the film Captain America Civil War, Bucky mentions Hydra using their own versions of the super soldier serum to create their own army of winter soldiers. But the test subjects proved uncontrollable as they developed severe aggression as a side effect. So some may say that was some cinema fiction just to increase the dramaticism, but if you look at reality, no, this is actually what steroids do to you. And so from my perspective, the real fiction with the super soldier serum, other than the extent of the heightened strength and speed, being able to run faster than Usain Bolt or lift 800 pounds over your head, it's this required need for radiation exposure. From the comics perspective, without the correct radioactive exposure, recipients can expect the aforementioned side effects. So when we look at episode two of Marvel's What If, what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? It actually makes sense. Peggy underwent the experiment under the right parameters, allowing her to become superhuman without all the side effects. So what is the deal with the Vita rays? In short, it's fictional radiation emitted from a fictional chemical called nitramine created by Howard Stark. So does this stop us in the real world from creating super soldiers? No, not even close. In May 2013, the United States military announced their initiative to create exoskeleton combat armor for soldiers, essentially Iron Men, which coincidentally enough, this announcement comes just a year after Avengers 1 comes out. I was going to say more Spartans from Halo, but... That yeah, the su- yeah. The vi- I looked at the video as their kind of uh, promotion for what it would look like in the end. I think Shane wouldn't like it too much because the editing was just it was abysmal. <laughs> <laughs> but the suit itself actually kind of looked a lot like the Halo exoskeletons. But that was their idea of essentially creating Iron Man. And unfortunately, the initiative was shut down in 2019 due to the cost demands outweighing the finished product. The suit was useful for long marches and logistics but utterly useless when the real action starts and guns start blazing. A soldier couldn't really communicate or maneuver too well with the suit on, Hmm. so they would have to remove it before getting into the action. On the other side of the planet, in 2018, Chinese scientist He Jiankui successfully altered the DNA in the embryos of twin girls 
to prevent them from catching HIV. The experiment was also reported to have caused cognitive enhancements as well. So before everyone thinks, yo, this is amazing. Like we're talking gene editing to prevent inheritable diseases like HIV. However, this brought huge outrage as such gene editing practices are banned in most countries, including China. Is normally restricted to discarded IVF embryos and only if the embryos are destroyed immediately afterwards and are not used to create a baby. So Jiang Kuyi used CRISPR technology to essentially find and replace the necessary DNA components in the same way that we use find and replace in a Word document. However, when you deal with gene editing, you could alter an individual's DNA to cause them to have, say, increased muscles or being able to breathe at higher altitudes. But down the line, they may develop cancer. Editing one gene may make sense for one genetic context, but not make sense in another. Yeah, I think that's super interesting because I remember that story dropping. And I think for stuff like point mutations, where it's an obviously deleterious effect based on one base pair change, I think gene editing can be super useful. But when you start trying to optimize the human genome, that's when you start running into some really unintended consequences because it's like, oh, we can make people smarter. But then they randomly develop abdominal cancer at the age of four. So, mm. yeah. But I think for point mutations and stuff like that, I think it could be super useful. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And these are kind of the things that, honestly, when we think of research, it's almost like dual research. It has the beneficial original outcomes, but then it could be used for other things that it really shouldn't be used for. I mean, with this study that was conducted in 2018, essentially what this guy did was kind of play God. And as a lot of cinema has taught us, trying to play God has catastrophic consequences. So speaking of the soldiers specifically, with the power hierarchy of the military, would a soldier really be freely able to consent to such research? The military does not exist to promote the interests of the soldier. It exists to gain a strategic advantage or win a war. If superhuman soldiers were to be created, they could be sent on extremely dangerous missions or take more chances that otherwise non-superhuman soldiers would not. So really, when we think about the prospect of creating super soldiers, it's not really a matter of could we do it, but rather should we do it. The bioethics involved is very arduous at best. Many forms of research like gene editing can have beneficial outcomes such as prevention of inheritable diseases. However, such outcomes or procedures can also be weaponized, and this is known as dual research or dual use research. The exoskeleton research, for example, was originally conducted to help or cure medical conditions, such as enabling paralysis patients to move again. But you see how the military thought, let's create an exoskeleton Iron Man soldier to have an advantage against our enemies overseas. However, The big challenge is that it's not obvious how to prevent such research from being weaponized without initiating overly broad restrictions that will frustrate therapeutic research as a whole. And so my final stance on a situation like this is the same as our new Captain America. To the government of the world, look, you control the banks. Heck, you can move borders. You can knock down a forest with an email You can feed a million people with a phone call. But the question is, who's in the room with you when you're making those decisions? Hmm? Is it the people you're gonna impact or is it just more people like you? 
You've got to do better. You've got to step up and meet the impacted halfway. You have just as much power as an insane God. The question you have to ask yourself is, how are you going to use it? Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter to keep up with our episodes and content. And special thanks to Kelly Kerr for making our music.